Well, thank you. It's good to have our students lead us in worship. Y'all give them a hand one more time for being here tonight. Thank y'all. And we appreciate you guys. I'm excited to be in this study on prayer. Uh, and I think it's important because so many times we forget the importance of prayer. I mean, we just take it for granted that we need to pray or something, you know, and we believe in prayer and we say that we believe in prayer, but we don't spend nearly enough time as we should in prayer. And this study should remind us all of the power of prayer in our lives and in this world. And I don't want us to ever forget what Jesus said to us. You know, Miss Margaret uh, Kimber reminded me of this a year ago. She said, you know, don't forget that Jesus said that his house was going to be a house of prayer. And that's important for us, you know. And of all the things that we do, and there's plenty of things that we could do. You know, I mean, we have all kinds of opportunities for you to be involved in different things. You can play sports or you can go down. I was on our, in our workout room today on the elliptical. And you can go do all of that. All of that is here for you and available. You can learn English as a second language. You can... Uh, participate in a lot of things that we do here, but above all things, Jesus said his house was going to be a house of prayer. And I don't want us to spend inordinate amounts of time on programming and things like that. When, I mean, we already spend enough time on teaching and preaching. We need to be spending some time on prayer. And so as we have done tonight, we'll spend the latter part of our sermon time tonight in prayer with some directed prayer. Um, if you haven't gotten the book Extreme Prayer, we have copies of that for you, and you can pick a free copy up. Uh, at the Next Step Center. I believe there's still enough uh, copies there for you, and we'd love for you to do that uh, and be able to do that. But uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, we were just reminded again that our best laid plans don't mean anything without prayer. That was a personal reminder to me of the Lord just speaking, saying, you know, you can have great plans, and they can be God-honoring plans, but if, if I'm not in it and you're not praying about it, then it, it's just the best effort that you have. And as we prayed over our plan for this year, and we did pray over our plan, we just felt like God was leading us to introduce this idea of next steps terminology to you. But we spent some dedicated time last week as a staff in prayer. And I mentioned that this morning, and that was important for us because we saw God move uh, in some amazing ways. When we enter the discipline of prayer, I think we're often left wondering what to do. Uh, it seems like sometimes 10 minutes in prayer can feel like an eternity. You know, and it's a discipline that you have to get used to and you have to spend time doing it because your comfort level increases in it the more that you spend in it. And I think some of us can't imagine what it would be like to have a day of prayer and fasting, but we're going to get to that. That's something we're going to get to. But that's why we gave you that book, Extreme Prayer, and it's why we're doing this series. The tool that Greg Pruitt outlined in the book Extreme Prayer is active prayer. He uses the acronym ACTIVE, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Intercession, Vanquishing Satan, and Extreme Prayer, where God answers those prayers that he's promised to answer from the scripture. You already have had adoration and confession, and tonight we're into uh, Thanksgiving. And I think that's important because a lot of times we get stuck in intercession. Intercession is when I pray for the needs that I have in my life and pray for you, and, and we pray for the things on the prayer list, and all those things are very important. But it's very easy to forget adoration and confession and thanksgiving and some of these things and just kind of get stuck as if we just present God this laundry list of things we want him to do as if he's Santa Claus and here's my wish list this year and if you just take care of that, everything would be fine. And we forget that there's a relational aspect to this in prayer and there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking God to do great things in our lives, 
But I think that's why we want you to understand this tool and to discover what it means to pray through all of those stations of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, intercession, vanquishing Satan, and extreme prayer. And tonight as we look at the T of thanksgiving, I think that most of us would probably put that after intercession, but it works well before as we thank God. And if we were to be honest, uh, it's very easy to be thankful for a lot of things that we see daily. And most of the time when we talk about being thankful, the, the normal stuff comes to mind. And if I said, like, what are you thankful for? You would say, my health, my family, my job, my house, those kind of things. And so tonight we're not focusing on any of those because I assume you're thankful for that unless you have a bad family or something and then you're just not thankful for them. Uh, but, but I assume you're thankful for that kind of stuff in your life, right? I mean, that, that would be something that wouldn't be outside of the norm for us. But I want us to take a little bit deeper look at that. And I think this is perfectly illustrated for us in the scriptures with an encounter Jesus had with 10 men who had been afflicted by leprosy. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Luke chapter 17 tonight. Luke chapter 17. I think many times it's helpful to see what you don't want to do before you learn what to do. If, if, you, can, if you can have someone, someone show you what the bad habit is in the sport you're trying to learn and say, don't do this. This is what we're trying not to do. What I want you to do then is this. It makes it really clear, doesn't it, that you're able to understand, I need to stay away from that and I need to, to do this a different way. And Luke chapter 17 gives us a great illustration. And it really shows us the danger of living without thanksgiving. And as you turn there, I want you to keep your Bibles open tonight because we're going to go to a couple of other passages of Scripture after this. Luke 17 verse 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You may have heard what it was like in the past. Maybe someone's given you a description of what the affliction of leprosy meant to a person. And I won't go into the physical aspects of it, but it's, a, it's an awful disease in and of itself. But the social stigma that came with it in the days of Jesus was just as awful. And that's an important thing for us to think about it because there were some difficulties associated with this disease. Listen for a moment, if you would, as I read what was to happen to a leprous person from the book of Leviticus. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. It's a pretty solitary life for this person. They're the first original loner. You see what has to happen here. They have to tear their clothes, showing that they're in a sign of mourning. They have to live outside the camp, which means they can't come in and worship. They can't be with their family. No one can touch them. And that's why they have to yell everywhere they go, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that? People walking down the road, and as you see them, you have to announce to them that you have this disease that's so dangerous that they could catch it, that you scream unclean, and people are able to pass around you. No human touch ever again. 
not by your family members, not from your pastor, your life group teacher. You're completely confined outside the camp, basically with no hope unless God intervenes. It's a rough life. And as Jesus was traveling, these 10 afflicted men approach and they beg for mercy. Now, I don't know how they knew about Jesus, but it's obvious that they did because they cried out to him, Jesus, Master, would you do something? Have mercy on us. And they knew, I guess, that he had the power to change lives. And Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priests in keeping with what happened in Leviticus. He says, you must go show yourself to the priest. And while they're traveling to see the priest, they come upon this moment in time where they are changed. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Walking, leprous. And maybe one of them looked down and said, hey, I'm not. I'm clean. And then everybody else starts to look around and they start looking at where those sores would have been all over their body, where they would have known, where they would have been experiencing this. And one by one, maybe as a group, all of a sudden, they realize that they're clean and you can imagine what that day would have been like. It's a a game changer for them. In an instant, their lives had literally been changed. It's over. The affliction is over. The solitary confinement of being outside of the city, outside of the camp, not being able to see their family members, not, be, I mean, not being able to pick up their kids, not being able to hold their grandkids. Now all that's changed in an instant. Everything is over for them as far as the bad. No longer do they have to live in the company of lepers. It would be a day you would never forget. Game-changing. Luke records that one of the men came back. And not only did he come back, but he happened to be a Samaritan. And Jesus was always fascinated by faithful men and women who were Samaritans. If you read the scripture, you may not understand what he's saying there, but the Jews in particular, if I could just remind us, they didn't think much of Samaritans because they felt like Samaritans had polluted the faith. They had married foreigners who worshiped idols. You know, they had done this. They had set up their own kind of worship spot in Samaria. They, they were basically people that were looked down upon at every turn. And Jesus is always fascinated by the Samaritans. When he finds a Samaritan woman who has faith, it, it blows him away. He, he's always fascinated by this. And he says, again, look at this. The only person who came back is the person who should have never come back. The person who shouldn't have gotten it, got it. It's an ironic twist, isn't it? That the foreigner, the Samaritan, came back. I think this story illustrates how we often approach God in prayer. We ask him to do things for us, expecting that he would do it, because we spend all of our time on intercession. We we have these things that are going on, and you should have things that are going on. There, There should be things that you're asking God to do in your life, in the lives of your family members, the lives of your friends, at your school, at your work, around this world, in this city. We're asking God for big things, and we're asking him to move on our behalf, and when he does it, we don't even come back and say thank you. We don't even stop. I can prove it to you. Have you ever put something on the prayer list, and like four weeks later, somebody's been praying for that and asking God to move on your behalf, and God answered it like day number two, but this person's been praying for four weeks and they come up and ask you like, I've been praying for you fervently. Oh yeah, that was already done. Oh, well, thanks for letting us know, right? I mean, 
I could have moved on to pray about something else, right? I mean, you understand how, how we act. I mean, it's like the most all-consuming thing in our life. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Help me. I, I want everybody to pray for me. And we don't ever stop to let anybody know what God's doing. Much less stop and thank God for what he's done. You know, if you never have anything to thank God for in your prayer life, there's a couple of things that come out of that. First, it just means that you're spending too little time in prayer. As you engage the Father, the Spirit, the Son in prayer, and you ask them to move in your life, you're going to have things to be thankful for because he's waiting to answer. All of the promises are yes in Christ Jesus, right? He's waiting to do that. God says, you know, I'm not the kind of a father that gives you a bad thing. You know, if you are evil and know how to give your kids good things, when they ask for bread, you don't give them a stone. I'm going to do the same for you. So there would be things that we should be thanking God for all the time. And if we don't have anything to thank God for, it just means we're not spending enough time in prayer. But it might be that we're guilty of, secondly, not recognizing all that God is doing, and we become ungrateful. God answers these prayers, and we just move on to the next crisis in our life. And I just want to say this to us. We are not meant to live in crisis mode. That's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to be thankful in all things. The God of the universe controls our destiny, but many of us are living as if we're constantly in the middle of a tornado and crisis mode never has time to stop and thank God for anything that he's done. It never has the time to stop because it's always on to the next crisis. It's just one more thing piling on, piling on, and it's just this feverish way of living. We're not meant to live that way. I think that's where the discipline of fasting can make such a difference in your life. It quiets your spirit so that you don't have to live in crisis mode all the time. It gives you an opportunity to spiritually reflect on all the things that God is doing. But we can make Thanksgiving part of our regular prayer life. And after you've spent time in adoration, adoring the Lord, and that may seem funny, right? If if you've missed that sermon It's online. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's important for us. But in the same way that, you know, when you have a relationship with someone, when it first starts out, right, you're you're adoring them. Man, I love being with you. You're great. You're wonderful. This This is fantastic. We should go out on a date. I really like you. We have some things in common. I love that you do this. You have this neat thing about you. I mean, you you do all that. We can do the same thing with the Lord. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You've saved us. I love you so much. I mean, he he loves to engage that with us. You know, it's not just a one-way street where he's telling us these things all the time, right? And then we move into confession, which you heard about last week. If you didn't, go and listen to it. It's online. So important for us to have a right relationship with the Lord all the time, right relationship with others. Well, let's talk about some areas of our lives where we want to be thankful for as we pray. And what we're going to do is kind of hit these high parts, uh, these these kind of uh, categories or high notes is what I'd call them. And you should be thanking God for all the things that I mentioned earlier, you know, house, job, food, you know, friends, family, health, all that stuff. Thank God for all of that. But don't just get lost there because there's some other things. So let's start with category number one. When was the last time you thanked God for salvation? I mean, that you just stopped and asked him. Because the basis of our relationship with the Lord is that it started with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross when he died in our place. And that's always worth thanking God for. That's always worth stopping and just saying, I'm so grateful, Lord, that you died in my place. And this is crucial for the believer. And I know it sounds like I just told you something so elementary, you know, be thankful for salvation. 
But when was the last time you really considered what your life would be without grace? When was the last time you just stopped and thought about, man, I was on a train to hell and there was nothing stopping me. I'd bought the ticket because I wanted to go there. It was where I was headed. And Jesus intervened in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy. We forget that it was by grace that we were saved. And we start to live by Pharisees, becoming legalistic, judgmental if we're not careful. If you'll stay thankful for your salvation, you'll avoid so much of that. You, you won't have time to be legalistic and judgmental towards people. You'll be excited about what God's doing in your life. You'll be excited that he, he's given mercy and grace in your life. And his mercies are new every morning. And he is in the process, not only that we have been saved, but he, he is saving us now. Some of us have forgotten that. You were saved, and every day he keeps saving you till the day of eternity. You're bought with a price. I don't ever want to take for granted the grace that was given to us. As you thank God for his grace, you'll be reminded that it was given to us unconditionally, without merit. It was nothing that we did on our own. It wasn't something that we were so great that God was like, I pick you, you're wonderful. It wasn't that way at all. It's that we were dead in trespasses and sins, and he said, I love you anyway. Come on. Jesus died in your place. This is great. It's here for you. It's available. But it goes further than just our past. It has to do with our future. Salvation has a future component. Have you thanked God for your inheritance lately? I assure you, you know, some people say, like, you don't want to be praying all the time and be thinking about heaven all the time because you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I, None of you are in danger of that, okay? None of us. We're not in danger of that. What are we in danger of? The cares of this world, the pride of life, the lust of the eye for more stuff and all. I mean, that, that's what we're in danger of. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? That's the struggle that we face. And so thinking about heaven as our home, thinking about the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus, it grounds us into the things that really matter. And when we thank God, that one day we're going to be in eternity with him. One day, the first things have passed away. Pain, war, famine, tears, sickness, death. And that the second things have come. That's going to be a good day. When you think about heaven and you think about your inheritance, you ought to be thanking God for those who have made it there already. I think about that sometimes. And I think about the people that are in that great cloud of witnesses now who I know. Not just the people in the Bible. But the people I know who have gone before me family and friends who are there waiting on me, cheering us on. They, they've seen their inheritance face to face and they know what we're getting and that gets us excited to know that that's coming for us too and we can thank God for that. Thank God for heaven. Thank him for those loved ones. Thank him for removing the penalty of sin in our lives so that we never have to face hell. That's all been taken away and that's something to be thankful for. Secondly, thank God for his work in this world. Well, if there's ever a time in the world to be cynical, now seems like it, doesn't it? When you think about what's happening in the world today, it's easy to become cynical. And the antidote to that is to be thankful for God's work in this world, to know that God is working in the world. You, you won't find this watching the news crawler. You won't find it on websites. You won't find it reading the gossip column about the celebrities and who went out with who and where they vacationed and all that kind of stuff. You won't find it there. You'll find it when you get around godly people who are on mission and you hear about what God's doing. Just a moment ago, we were just introduced to a new Global Focus potential partner as we had our Global Focus executive team meeting ratifying the budget for our missions projects this year. 
And it was exciting. He was saying, man, I've got church planters in India, and they kicked me out, but I'm still there. I've got planters there, and we're, we're building a church in the Philippines, and it's exciting. And we're in Kenya, and God's just doing a great When you hear about that, you're reminded that God's at work. He doesn't take his marching orders from us, from the White House or the Congress. He gives them to them. And sometimes we, we lose sight of that. And we think that the, the latest Supreme Court battle is the end-all, be-all, and it just drags you down. You get cynical about these kinds of things. Let me tell you something. God is at work today. He's saving people. The Holy Spirit's convicting people right now or the Scripture's a liar. You understand that God's at work. Thank him for his work in the world. And if you don't know what God's doing in the world, get around some people who do. Find out who they are. Engage with our mission partners. Get on their newsletters. Don't just look at them from afar. But, but grab them up close. Get their newsletters. Read their Facebook posts. Understand what God is doing. Thank God for the lady that was saved last week in our worship service. Thank God for the people who've already been baptized this year and those who are waiting for baptism. Thank God for the offering that we collected for Pioneer Bible Translators and Faith Comes by Hearing. We needed 80,000. We got 125. Was God at work or not? We have a lot to be thankful for. Every month when we host the Liberty Church Network meeting here at Judson, we bring in local church planters and pastors and we sit around a table and we strategize about making disciples and working together. How can our churches work together? But we always start with something that's interesting. We always start with a time of celebration. And this is what I've discovered about that and I think it's why it's so important that we do it. When Pastor John or, or Pastor Cal starts talking about what God's doing in his church, I can't be jealous of his church when I'm celebrating his church. When you celebrate God's work in this world, there's no, there's no room for jealousy. There's no room for cynicism. You see, it changes you. When you join with someone and celebrate what God is doing, it enlarges your perspective of the kingdom and eternity, and you're able to see it in a different way. So we thank God for what he's doing. We thank God for his church and what he's doing in this church and other churches. We thank him for saving people. We thank him when we see him change the outcome of things that seem impossible. I think God loves that. Do you ever think that he just orchestrates situations sometimes just to blow your mind? I, I think he does. I don't think it's wrong. I think he, he leads you right up to the edge, right? And like, no, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Boom. Gotcha. Did you trust me? Were you there? I think he loves. He's the God of the possible. So he brings you to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are falling in all around you. And he says, what are you going to do? Remember Moses? What, what are we going to do? Don't ask me what we're going to do. Raise your rod. Stick it in the sand. And the waters part. And God makes a way. We thank God for those things. We thank him for disasters that are avoided. And all of these things point our vision back to the greatness of our Lord as we see him working in this world. So thank him for salvation. Thank him for his work in this world. Thank him for people. A great place to find thanksgiving surrounds the relationships you have in your life right now. Do you thank God for your children's principal at their elementary school and the teachers at the high school and the people they're interacting with at college? Do you thank God for those people? Do you, do you thank God for their youth leaders, for their pastors and the people that influence them on a daily basis? This is modeled for us so clearly by the Apostle Paul in almost every letter that he wrote in the New Testament. How does it start? Grace and peace, I thank God for you. 
I thank God for your church. I thank God for what he's doing. I thank you. Thank God that he's faithful to complete what he started in your life. I'm so excited about that. I'm so thankful for you. We need to be thankful for people. I have some people that I'm thankful for on a regular basis because they're responsible for so much of my spiritual life. When I look back at my life, I realize that there were people, not only in my family, but outside of my family, that were investing in my life constantly. And they've built this into me. And I wouldn't be who I am today had they not spent time answering the dumbest questions that I could ask. Right? Asking questions that didn't have answers. Asking them to pray for me when I didn't have faith. And they were faithful to do all those things. We are standing on the shoulders of so many people. None of us got here alone. And we thank God for those people. It reminds us to pray for them. Especially in their current situations. Because maybe it's our turn to lift them up. And as we're thankful for them, God will give us an opportunity to influence them and encourage them. Thank God for salvation, for his work in this world, for people, but we also thank him for trials and persecution. We studied that this morning, didn't we? We have plenty to thank God for even in trying circumstances when persecution, ridicule, shame comes. 1 Thessalonians reminds us that thanking God in difficult situations is God's will. I say this to you guys all the time. I wasted so much of my life wondering what God's will is. So much of it. You ready to hear God's will? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Do you want to know what God's will is? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, be thankful. That's his will for you in Christ Jesus. He'll make known his will to us as we follow his will that he's given to us. I spend so much of my time wondering what God's will for my life was and and I would just spend hour upon hour just dreaming about God's will and thinking about God's will and trying to, to find it like it was some kind of hidden treasure on a treasure map and I didn't have the map. I had a fragment of the map and yet it was right there. In difficult, situa- in difficult situations, praise God. In everything, give thanks. There was no qualifier given in this command. It didn't say be thankful and prayerful when things were great. It said, in all things, when it's good, when it's not good, be thankful. Praise God. When you're persecuted, be thankful. When you're ridiculed, be thankful. When you're shunned, be thankful. When we're sick, be thankful. When you're in fellowship of his sufferings with Jesus Christ, be thankful. When we share Christ with someone, we can thank God for that. In all things, the good and the bad, we thank God for the extra time we have to recover at home in prayer even when we're sick. I mean, there's always a reason to be thankful. And we're reminded, be thankful in all things. We can always find a reason that goes but what's beyond what's normally expected of us. You know, like the, the things that just pop in our minds right off the bat. If we'll stop long enough and pray and ask God to speak to us and show us these things. And one final thought on this. We'll get there next week as we talk about intercession, but Philippians chapter four, verse six says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's funny that Paul tied thanksgiving to intercession. Present your request to God with thanksgiving. Thanking him that he's moving already. 
that he's answering prayer as we're speaking. Nothing you're praying about is a surprise to God. He knows it all. So he's already moving. And as we pray, we're joining him in that. And he says, be thankful in those. Be thankful for the outcome. As we pray, Lord, I'm thanking you right now. You've heard this prayer. I'm thankful that you're going to answer the prayer. And God, you may answer it yes, and you may answer it no. And you may say, wait a little while and keep praying. But I'm going to be thankful, Lord, that I know the God of the universe is tuned in to what I'm going through. And you care about me. And you're interested in what's going on in my life. And God, I thank you for that. So it's kind of like this. God, I'm asking you tonight to provide exactly what I need. And I'm thankful that you provide always exactly what I need. Thank you, Lord, that you take care of me at every turn. That you've never let me go. That you've always... I just thank you for... That's what he means as we do that. Faith allows you to see the outcome of your prayer before the answer's in hand. And thanksgiving is the key to joy in all of that. As you're thankful in that, God moves. And as we're grateful to the Lord, don't you know that the Lord loves to give you more when you're grateful? When you take it for granted, you just expect it. Here's my stuff, fix it. I don't know if that moves the heart of God. But when we actively go before him, praying active prayer, and ask God to move in these ways and are thankful for what he's doing, I think that moves the heart of the Lord. We're commanded to do it. So that's what I want us to do right now. I want you to bow your heads. And I'm going to lead us through some directed prayer. Daniel's going to play on the keys for just a few moments. So let's just start with a moment of adoration. Would you thank God for all that he's done and love him just a little bit? Tell him how great he is and why you're so enamored with him, why you're in love with him. Would you confess anything now that you need to confess? Attitudes, thoughts, actions, words spoken. thank him. Thank him for your family. Thank him for your health, your work, your home, all of those things. thank him for salvation
Thank him for heaven and your inheritance. Thank him for his work in this world. Get a big picture of it right now and thank him for it. Thank him for that time in your life when he changed the impossible to possible. Thank him for the people in your life who helped form you spiritually, teaching you the word, leading you. Thank him for trials, difficulties, and persecutions that you're going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 again, and as I do, I want you to think about the one thing you're asking God to move in your life for right now. And as I read this verse, I want you to say, yes, Lord, I believe it, and then pray for it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. As Tim and the band come, they have one more song for us. They'll come and do this, Tim. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to stand and sing, and we'll be dismissed. This will be our song of response tonight. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. And God, I just want to say that I'm sorry when I've come to you and just thrown down a list of things and never been thankful for how you've already answered prayer. 
never been thankful for how you were moving in this world or that you'd saved me for people, for my health, for my job, my home, or my family. And I think many of us would echo that tonight. We recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from you, and we thank you for it. And we ask God now that as we stand and sing, you would receive this as an offering of our praise and thanksgiving to you. In Jesus' name, amen.